Man, we're having church this morning in Burlington, Vermont. Hey, it is uh, so good to be here. Uh, of course, uh, Michelle and I are in town for Kyle and Emmy's wedding, uh, which happened yesterday. If you were uh, blessed with the opportunity to go, you know it was an incredible time, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, the last time that we were in town uh, was in April of last year, and that was for Ryan and Katie's wedding. And the time before that, it was for uh, Euro and Monique's wedding. So if you keep on getting married to one another, uh, we will continue to visit. So uh, you just got to keep on doing that, you know, and uh, that can be a perennial thing. Not pointing any uh, fingers to anybody, but if I receive an invitation, uh, I will be obligated to come. So... Um, but yeah, we're, we're so glad uh, to have been here and uh, to be fed and taken care of and shown hospitality in really what is our second home. Um, uh, the last time that we were here, uh, Michelle was pregnant, so I was going to introduce you to our daughter, but it looks like they stepped out. So when they come back, then I'll introduce you to Esther. Uh, she is a ball of joy, uh, five months old. Uh, she's just uh, so happy all of the time, and she gets that from Michelle and not me. Um, <laughs> Caleb, uh, it can be a little bit more cynical, uh, a little bit more uh, introverted sometimes. Uh, you got to get to know him. Uh, it's been funny to watch uh, James and Caleb interact because uh, they're both, you know, about the same age. Uh, James is a little bit younger, uh, but Caleb wants his space, and James wants to hug Caleb. <laughs> Uh, like hug, 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 and 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 Caleb's just freaking out. Like I need space, I need space, and uh, that uh, really defines Mike and my relationship as well. Uh, let me give you a hug. Let me, get a... dude, I need some space, bro. Just give me some space. But amen. We learn from each other and grow immensely in that uh, in that way. But. Um, Michelle, man, when she comes back, I'll, I'll introduce her. So, uh, Michelle, I, it, she actually pointed out to me the other day, uh, that this is actually the, the sixth calendar year or sixth consecutive calendar year that we've spent at least a little bit of time in Vermont. And for, for you, you know, you that are uh, natives, that might not seem like a big deal, but Michelle and I only spent two years here. Uh, so for us to have spent some time every year for six years, uh, that says something about what you have here. Uh, it says something about the family that you have here. And uh, Michelle and I weren't just looking to come and spend a little bit of time and then, you know, well, in some ways we were uh, intending to come, spend a little bit of time, and then go move uh, home, you know, and, and have our fam all of our families in Chicago. And so we, we kind of planned to go back to the Midwest at some point. But there's just this, this tug, this pull uh, at our heartstrings that just says, man, this is like a home. This is like a family. And I, I hope that you guys all really understand uh, that, that you have something great here. Uh, you have a great family here. And um, it's, you know, even though it's like negative 10 degrees outside all the time, uh, life here... It's an adventure. Uh, life here is an adventure. And when you go through adventures and hard times, uh, that sears into your memories. Man, th these are good times. Uh, this is a great time. And I, I hope that you take every day like that uh, to say, man, this is a great time to be alive, to be in this adventure, especially this adventure to be a disciple of Christ. Uh, and, and that is uh, the greatest adventure that you can live. And in a little bit, uh, we're kind of going to talk about that uh, and that mindset. But uh, we're really glad the wedding was this weekend in particular. Um, this is the last week of uh, like winter break. Um, what Michelle and I do in Champaign, Illinois.
Conway is uh, we're, we're campus ministers. Um, and we're actually, so we're campus ministers at, uh, so the, the University of Illinois is the major school there. And that's where Kristen's parents uh, went to school and where they met, I believe, right? And so they, they became disciples and, and met each other there. So without Champaign, Illinois, there's no Kristen. Uh, and without Kristen marrying Mike, I mean, who knows uh, what, I mean, Mike would have been a total mess. So without Champagne, there's no Kristen. Without Kristen marrying Mike, who knows? Uh, but that's where we're at right now in Champagne. If you don't, you don't know your uh, Midwest geography, we're not actually like right next door to Chicago. We're, we're like two and a half hours south. Uh, of of Chicago, so we're we're not ne- right next door. It's a nice buffer for your parents, you know. My, our, all of our parents are there. It's like we have our own space too, uh, and we're but we're loving our time there. Uh, we've just started our third uh, our third school year uh, being campus minister uh, campus ministers there, being full time, and we've experienced some really uh, just cool things that have happened. And I tell them about Vermont all the time, and uh, and just how special it was, and. Who knows, uh, there may be people at some point that are young professionals uh, that are graduating out of the campus ministry that say, you know, I ought to go somewhere. Where should I go? I'm like, well, definitely Vermont. So uh, you never know who might show up here from uh, Champaign-Urbana or the University of Illinois. Uh, I'm I'm planting seeds, and we only know, you know, what might happen. And then maybe uh, they will have a kid, and that kid will grow up to marry someone from Texas who will lead a church in uh, Rutland, I don't know, Morrisville, uh, some other place, <laughs> uh, Montpelier. You never know what could happen and what God's planning. So, amen. Uh, so, anyway, here we go. We should dive into the Word. Why don't we uh, go over to the book of Luke? Um, and what I want to do today is talk about a specific ability that God has. God has a lot of abilities, a lot of uh, a lot in His character. It's it's uh, you know it's going to take a lifetime for us to try and unpack more and more who God is. But I want to talk about one specific quality that He has, an ability that He has, which is really incredible, and that ability is to make all things new. Now, if you're looking for a title, you can you can use that. But He makes all things new. Uh, we're going to start with a parable. Uh, because Jesus, uh, actually one-third of his teachings are all in parable. And, and it's cool that he does that. Uh, he covers a wide array of topics. He talks about the kingdom of God, uh, the power of prayer, the, the true meaning of love and, and what it means to sacrifice. And he uses these simple stories to tell these spiritual truths. Uh, it, it's often referred to, right, a parable is like an earthly, uh, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Uh, but Jesus masterfully uses this relatable language to explain really deep concepts. Um, it, it would have been easy to understand, you know, if people that were listening, it, it, they, they would have just grabbed onto these things because really uh, the, what they're doing in their regular life, that's, uh, that's what the parable would be about. And then so when they go through their regular life and they're farming or they're doing other things or fishing, they see, oh, wait, I remember that teaching. And that, that was sort of the, part of the mastery of him teaching in this way. And uh, I think it's why he did it so often, right? It's like a third of his teachings all come in this form. Uh, you guys spent some time in parables in this past year, right? So we'll see if, uh, if you then are ready for this quiz. What is the first parable or the first set of parables that Jesus teaches in three, all three of the Synoptic Gospels? Grab onto it in your head. I won't publicly embarrass anybody, uh, but it's we'll, – we'll, we'll read it. And in Luke 5, we'll go to Luke 5 and we'll, we'll read that. 
So this is the first set of parables that Jesus teaches. And I think that it's super important that we know that it's the first one that he teaches because it sets the stage for all of his teachings. It sets the stage for what he is going to do with his teaching and what he's going to do with his ministry in his time on earth. All right, so we're in Luke 5, and we'll start in verse 36. It says, He told them this parable. No one tears a, uh, tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. Uh, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for they say the old is better. All right, so uh, we're going to break this down a little bit. Who is he talking to? Uh, Jesus is talking to the Jews here. Certainly, uh, teachers of the law are there. Uh, disciples of John the Baptist are in the crowd as well. Um, and let's break it down. Okay, so this first bit. Taking a new piece of fabric to patch an old piece of clothing. Uh, what's going to go wrong if you do that? Well, if you take a new piece of cloth and you put it on an old coat, then when you wash that thing, uh, the new piece is going to shrink a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you've ever, you know, well, Ryan's never done laundry, but uh, if, you, if you ever do that, you know, it, it, it pulls away and it, and, it, and it would not work, right? It, it's just, it's going to tear away because the two things are, are they don't go together. And then the second part you'll be way more interested in because it's about the fermentation process, and we are in Vermont. So, uh, But this uh, old or new wine in an old wineskin, what's going on there? Well, uh, you know, I know you know this already, but we're going to explain the fermentation process so that we really can understand this parable and teaching of Jesus, right? This is, this is Jesus speaking uh, here, so it's important. So when you make wine or you make beer, uh, first you make a mash, okay? Uh, for wine, you crush grapes, and then you extract the liquid. For beer, you, you steep grains in water like you're making a big bag of tea, okay? Uh, and the next step is that you add yeast, which is a living thing uh, that eats all the sugars from the mash. And then there's two byproducts that come from this process. One is alcohol, and the other one is carbon dioxide. So if you put a, you know something that's alive in the middle of a fermentation process in something that is sealed and doesn't have the ability to expand or grow or be flexible, essentially what you've just done is created a bomb. You've taken something that is going to grow and you're putting it into something that cannot grow, and it will be destructive. Uh, Yero and I, uh, in early stages of brewing, uh, found this out the hard way in different things. You know, when you don't have that measurement just right, you don't have the airflow, it's not allowed or it's not able to get the carbon dioxide out fast enough, then it can explode and you have, uh, uh, you know, the boil over, it comes off. So, uh, but these wine skins in the scripture, they're referring to the actual skins of an animal, right? And so once you've put that old wine into this new wine skin and it has expanded, it can't then expand anymore if you put some new wine in it. Uh, it's going to explode. It has nowhere to go. Okay, how does this all apply? Uh, it's not just about beer or wine. Uh, those, those are great things, right? Uh, but what was Jesus really trying to convey? He's trying to say that, look, there is a new message that I'm about to bring. Uh, there is something new, and it's not going to work to try and fit this message into the old Jewish system of thought. 
Now, he did come to fulfill the law. Uh, he, so he's not coming to say, hey, none of this mattered. Uh, that, that's absolutely not what he's doing. But what he is saying is, look, things are going to be different if I'm going to be in, in charge. I'm coming to make a new covenant, a new plan for God and his relationship with people. And I'm the mediator, the new living and active agent that is being inserted into this process. Isn't that cool what he does? Oh, he connects the, oh my, oh, wow, okay. Uh, but what he's saying, okay, let, let's think about this from the perspective of the Jews, just for a little bit. All right, you're Jewish, uh, just imagine it. Um, maybe some of you grew up that way, I don't know. But you're Jewish, imagine it. Uh, it would have been difficult for them to hear this message because it's what they've always known. They've always known the old way. They've always known the old wine. Uh, and the old wine is good. When you have old wine, I mean, if you have a choice between wine that was made in 2016 or something like from 1990, you're going to take the old wine because it is aged and there's something value about that and, and cherishable about that. It's, it's old wine. It's good. Like, why would we, why would we swap this out? You wouldn't. Um, and that's maybe what they would have had to go through. Uh, there's Esther. Hi, Esther. <laughs> Bye, Esther. Uh, she is so awesome. Um, but it's it's something that they've always would have known. Uh, so let's imagine uh, why it might have been difficult, or uh, let's imagine what they maybe were trying to do, which was merge these two religions together, right? Because a lot of the New Testament is about that, right? The, the, the Jews are trying to apply all of their Jewish traditions and their life into Christianity. And so it was very confusing, and, and God had to use a lot of different ways to like give them visions and be like, no, no, it's cool for you to eat bacon now. It wasn't before, but now it's good. And the church said, amen. <laughs> but the Jews would have been so focused on the law uh, that they were, they were forcing people to even become Jewish before they became Christians. Uh, they they tried to uh, have the, the animal sacrifices and the food laws and even circumcision, which were all so foundational to their way of life, that, that they had those continue in Christianity. And and what Jesus is saying is, well, this is actually something new. It's something different. Uh, and he does make all things new. Now, this is not unlike us. You, you don't have to imagine you're Jewish anymore. Okay, so... This, uh, imagine you're you. That should be easy enough. We're, we're kind of set in our way sometimes. Now, we, we have a kind of interesting relationship with new things. Uh, so how many of you got something for Christmas that is new and you like that it's new? You enjoy that you got that thing? Yeah, new stuff is cool. Like, I, I got a Vermont flannel, and my, like, my parents remembered that I liked that, and it like reminds me of this fun – and I'm like, oh, that was so thoughtful. I got a new flannel. It's awesome. I love it. I, I'm throwing out my other flannels because I have a new flannel, and the little button says Vermont Flannel Company, and I'm like, it reminds me of home. You know, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. I love it, and uh, we all do love new things. Right. If you get a new car, you're fired up about that new car because you don't have to worry about it stalling out anymore. You don't have to worry about it not doing the things that you expect a car to do. Uh, Michelle and I drove some pretty rough vehicles uh, in our early marriage. 
um, even while we were here. Uh, at one point, a day not unlike today, uh, we realized two major problems with our minivan. One, the window which I had rolled down to pay the parking fee would not then roll back up. And when the wind chill is like 30 below, you're like, ah, I can't do this. So you're already bundled up, but then you're like, you know, while you're driving, and man, that's rough. Would I have enjoyed a new car? Yes, I would have. Uh, And then you realize shortly after that that the heat goes out in your car. You're like, this this is, it's un, I can't do this. Uh, And then uh, we had a couple of great friends uh, prop up the window with some, Two by four, so thank you guys. Um, but we like new things. But, but there's also, you know, it's a complicated relationship with new things because we also very easily can get stuck in our ways and we're like, whoa, 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 that's not how we do things. <laughs> We've always done things this way. This is how we do things. Uh, ha- how many of you have had a teacher or uh, like may- maybe a new employee or a-, a new coworker that comes in and uh, introduces some kind of new idea. Like, this, is, this is classic for any kid, any kid in the class. If you have a substitute teacher, it's like free. Well, oh, they, they always let me do that. And you, you even you even use like use knowledge of the past to say this is OK and acceptable for what I want to do right now, because this is how it's always been. And the substitute teacher doesn't know whether or not it has, but that that has power to say this is how we always do it, even if it's not even true, right? Um, but we can get that way with our faith as well. Uh, we can get we can get this way with our faith. Faith. We can say, well, uh, I've always done things this way, and we we can have some traditions that we do, or we can have some way that we think about something, and uh, and and it can get stuck there. And it can get stuck there, and then we get to a point where we are an old wineskin that is unable to flex. We're an old, uh, we're an old garment, and we're trying to patch on new stuff, and it's it's not going to work out. Why is it not going to work out? Because the new has to go with the new. I'm not saying that we ignore all of what the Old Testament says. Not at all. Uh, the Old Testament is full of examples for us to learn from. And the same thing goes for our faith, right? You ought to learn uh, from the things that you've experienced. You ought to learn. Like Michelle and I, uh, we just celebrated our, our fifth uh, wedding anniversary. Uh, and our our marriage is, I think, better now than it was five years ago. And that is because we have learned things along the way. And I can't tell you what it's like to be married for six years, but I can give you as much advice as I can from day one until year five, right? Uh, let's go ahead and introduce Esther. That's Esther. Uh, hi, Esther. Uh, Esther is, uh, like I said, five months old. She was born on uh, July 20th. Uh, she is a joy. She's new, and I love her. And I still love Caleb, even though now he's the uh, old child. Um, so this this feeling of, of new and old, okay, it's it's really not un- like our experience is not unlike the Jews' experience because we all have some kind, uh, we all have some kind of upbringing, some kind of experience with religion or with Christianity where we say this is how it's always been, and so this is how it will always be, um, and and we can get caught on just doing the right things on the outside, but but not having the right heart. Uh, we can hold on to a tradition and rely on how we've always done things rather than look at how Jesus would do things today. Uh, we resist new things because new is hard. Uh, 
it's, it's hard to go to a brand new place. It's hard to just find a new family and new friends. It's, uh, I just want to know where I can get the best bagel in town, you know? And, and when you go to a new place, you're like, I've got to find out. I still have, I'm been in Champagne for going on three years and I can't find a great pizza place that I just love. And I'm like, I'm testing all the pizza places and I'm like, but if I go, if I go here, I know the pizza that I want. And if I go like to, to, to Brookfield, Illinois, I know the pizza that I want. That's where I grew up. It's just, it's, it's hard because you have to learn and, and open yourself up to new experiences. Um, we can, we can hold on to the old. So, okay, let's, let's move on here. Um, I want to go to the beginning of Mark and, I want to show you a little bit, uh, you know, Jesus' teachings, they were understood right from the beginning as being new teachings, okay? So Mark 1, uh, we'll read a little bit there. I, I want to kind of highlight, um, I, I don't really have super solid points from, from here on out, but every book of the Bible, like every book of the Bible has some reference to being new. It, it's, it's all over the place. And so when the Jews were confronted with this new teaching, they were like, whoa, this came out of left field. What is this? This is brand new. And like Isaiah and Jeremiah and all these prophets are like, there will be a new covenant. It's coming. Like there will, I'm making all things new. It's coming. There will be a new Jerusalem. It's coming. And all of these things were, were laid out hundreds of years in advance. And then when it happens, they're like, what is this? You know, this is new. We like the old wine. Uh, but... But that's kind of how it goes. So Mark 1, uh, we'll read there. Uh, we can pick up in, uh, well, okay, so this is early in Jesus' in ministry. Uh, he's teaching in Capernaum. Um, the Sabbath comes. He, he goes to the synagogue and he begins to teach, right? This is right at the beginning of his ministry. Uh, people are amazed at his teaching. Uh, and then go to verse uh, 23. Okay. So just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, he said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching? And with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. You know, Jesus' new teaching was something that they had never seen before. There was this evil spirit in this guy, and he's teaching in the synagogue, and he just says, look, get out of him. And the spirit leaves, and all the people looked on, and they said, this is incredible. This is a new teaching. Uh, And then shortly after here, we start to begin to hear that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are planning, how can we kill this guy? Uh, Why? Because he brought something new. He brought something different. One that was going to shake up what they knew, shake up what made them comfortable. Um, I want to I want to go through some of these some of these passages uh, in the Old Testament that point to this. And you can maybe just write down references if you want. Uh, we don't have to flip over. Uh, then we'll just be going really fast. But uh, Jeremiah thirty one thirty one said, "Behold, days are coming," declares the Lord, "when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah." In Isaiah 65, uh, 17, actually the whole 65 is good, but 65, 17 says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. It will not be remembered or come to mind. I think that's incredible. He makes us new. You know, he makes us new. I, I want to 
I want to break this down a little bit because I know that there's people uh, in here that are in all different places of life. So if you're somebody who uh, you are kind of unsure, uh, you're unsure about Christianity, uh, you're unsure about whether or not you can do what, uh, you know, what is required of you uh, as a Christian, um, I want to give you this encouragement. You can be made new. Uh, you can be made new. And now, uh, for me, uh, personally, I, I can sometimes, sometimes get discouraged uh, by where I see uh, areas in my own life that I recognize are failures and that I don't see immediate changes in my own personal character. Uh, I, I see areas uh, in my life where, man, I, I'm not as patient as I should be. I am not as gentle as I should be. I'm not as encouraging as I ought to be. Uh, but I want to encourage you that you can be made new in those areas. Uh, what God requires of you is to not give up. Uh, it's just to, just to not give up. You can be made new. Um, this is a time of the year where a lot of people make resolutions. Uh, they make resolutions to, to, to uh, I don't know, uh, work harder, spend more time with family, uh, get rid of friendships or relationships that aren't, that aren't healthy for them, uh, lose a couple pounds, I don't know, eliminate sugar. Uh, I think you guys are going through a, a reset class, right? You can restart. You can restart. You can have a new start with Chandra, and it'll be awesome. Uh, but there, there's a lot, of, a lot of things that we lay out that we say, man, I want to be better at this or this or that. And it, what, what ends up happening is about 70% of people just, uh, you know, they, they, they stop doing whatever they've resolved to do. Uh, and by the first week in February, there's a lot more treadmills available uh, at, at, you know, at, at, at whatever fitness place that you're going to. So for, for those of you that are regulars, you're like, finally, the January people went away so I can have my treadmill back, you know. <laughs> we even, uh, you know, gyms take advantage of, of this uh, and, and ads take advantage of this to try and, uh, you know, they know we like, we like to try and make these uh, resolutions. But, you know, what really is going to allow you uh, to be made new is to realize that it's not you that's making you new. Uh, because you can't really make anything new, but Christ can make all things new. And he has from the very beginning, from uh, the days of Jeremiah and Isaiah, and not to mention Genesis and the creation of the world, where he made everything new out of nothingness. But he is the author of what is new. Uh, Christ is the author of what is new. If, if you're in this room and uh, you're, you've, um, you've already made the decision uh, to become a disciple, uh, it, it can it can get tiring. Uh, it can be tiring because you see these areas in your own life where you know I, I'm not as good as I ought to be in these various areas. I can't be made new. Uh, I've already been made new once, and I blew my chance. And now, even though I've become a disciple and I've been baptized and whatever, and I still have these areas of my life that I'm trying to change, and I just can't do it. You also can be made new. Uh, here's what I would encourage you to do if that if that describes you and where you're at right now. Um, I think a temptation that we can have is that we can, in our spiritual walks, we can look back to the past and we can say, those times were awesome. That old time, those old wines were awesome. Like, I loved those experiences back then. If only I was still, and we can start making these, these kind of statements. Uh, I'll use my, myself as, a, as an example. I view my two years in Vermont as some of the most encouraging spiritual times of my life. And, and I, you know, the reason that that was the case uh, was because of this family here 
but it was also because it was something brand new for me. And I forced myself to be more out of myself and give to relationships where I never really needed to do that before. Uh, I, I have all my friends, and I've had them for years and years, but I was placed here, and I had to do things in a new way. I became a better part singer because every Sunday, it's a guarantee we're not going to have a six- or eight-part band behind us that's just going to play, and we just kind of sing along. And No, but I, like, I, had to, I had to learn those things. I, I, had to be, I had to become better at that. Uh, Euro McLean and I spent hours and hours and hours and hours reaching out at UVM uh, to, to people, and, and I had to reinvent how I was going to reach out to people because this is not the Bible Belt, right? Uh, I, hey, you interested in uh, you know uh, coming to a Bible talk? We're going to talk about the Bible and how it might be relevant in our lives. Uh, we're going to start over here in the dorms. We're going to no way. <laughs> I want nothing to do with that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that I offended your family and everything you stood for. (laughs) But I I had to go into that with a new mindset. And I had to say, you know what? I have to be willing to learn and willing to grow. And you know what? I did. And and Euro and I, uh, I would say after a short amount of time, there is nobody that we couldn't talk to about the Bible. There's nobody that we couldn't figure out. Like We can find some kind of angle to talk to this person about the gospel. But we had to make ourselves new. Uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians 3. I want to show you something that I think is incredible. So you know what happened in 1 Corinthians, right? These guys got discipled, man. They got, they got laid out. Uh, so that when Second Corinthians comes around and Paul's like, uh, you know, in my letter to you when I said all those things, well, I'm sorry that you were hurt for a little while, but I'm sorry I'm not sorry because now you're different and you changed, right? And uh, But now in Second Corinthians, it's a little bit of a more encouraging tone. They still have a lot that they have to work through, but it's, it's a little bit more encouraging. And uh, in Second Corinthians 3, uh, he's, he's talking about uh, them being ministers of the new covenant, okay? Uh, because if you're... It's not just Mike that's a minister or me that's a minister, but we're all ministers of the new covenant. Amen. We're all ministers of the new covenant. That's a responsibility that you have if you're a disciple. You're ministering uh, to the world the ministry of reconciliation, making things new. That's our business. We make things new. That's what we do. And check, check out what is said here in Second Corinthians 3, uh, verse 1. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, a result of our ministry, written not with ink but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence as this is not ours it uh, is ours through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But what Paul is saying here is, hey, you, you want to know what you can be confident in? It's not this letter of recommendation that I came from so-and-so and and was taught by so-and-so to do such-and-such. 
No, you are our letter of recommendation because you live by the Spirit and you are ministers of the new covenant. Man, that's so encouraging because what it means is that you don't have to have all of the stress of making things new on yourself because you don't have the ability or the power or the strength to do it anyway. It comes from the Spirit. And he says that this is not something that comes from the letter of, of the law. You know, this doesn't come from the law, but this comes from the Spirit. Now, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Some of us uh, may feel that we are not adequate uh, to be servants of the new covenant. And what I want to encourage you with is that you, you are adequate because Christ has made you adequate. Uh, he has made you new. And what is encouraging is that how you view you is not how God views you. How, how God views me is not how I view me. And I view myself uh, in a pretty low way most of the time. So that's not a high bar. But God, God views me in a way that I can't even fathom. And he views you in a way that you can't even fathom. But what happens when you become a disciple of Christ is you are a new creation. Every part of you from before is gone. And, and you now have the ability uh, to be a new self. Um, let's go to Romans 6. This is actually something that I'm sure a lot of you guys have read before but in Romans 6 verse 4 this is how this happens and I want to I want to just encourage you to see the, the through line okay from the very beginning God's plan was uh, to, to be able to make us new restore us to a relationship that he always wanted us to have in Romans 6 verse 4 he says therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. You see that? We were given an opportunity to walk in newness of life. There is uh, neither circumcision nor, or, or nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Uh, this is something that God planned for us. This, this is actually this is the new covenant, that, that we would be able to shed our sinful nature and be risen again as something new, something that's uh, totally free of any of those things that would hold us down. Uh, I want to jump uh, around a couple other places uh, and then highlight a couple of other points, and then we'll, we'll, we'll close here. Um, in Ephesians, uh, in Ephesians 4, uh, we, can, we can go there really quick. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 23. I want you guys to really feel the encouragement here. There, uh, there is a way that God views you that is so incredible. And, and you might not believe it yet. Uh, you, you might not believe it because we live in the here and now. But God views you in a way that is so incredible. In order for us to really, you know, love others as we love ourselves, there has to be a little bit of self-love there, too. Yeah. There ha we have to be able to recognize the way that God views us and see, wow, God really thinks I'm awesome. And when you have that, then that really gives you the ability to love other people. Because if you're like, man, I'm trash all the time, and you, you view yourself like that, there's, there's no wonder that it's difficult for you to be loving and giving to other people because you start to think, well, and they're trash. And, and, and this, is, this, is how, this, this is the way it is. Everybody's like this, and nothing's getting better. 
But if we start to just have an idea, just a glimpse of how God views us, then the way that we're able to not only accurately see ourselves in light of who we are after having become disciples, then we're also able to be so much more giving because of this principle of newness. Uh, in Ephesians 4, I will just uh, jump right to verse 23. It says, And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. What God is doing when he makes you new is not just creating something out of nothing, but what he's doing is conforming you to the image of himself. Uh, really, that, that's our whole goal in, in life. It, to be a Christian, you're trying to be more Christ-like. And so our whole goal is to become more like the image of Christ, more like what he intended us to be in this world. We're going we're gonna to begin to close out here. Um, uh, let's go to Lamentations. And, I, and we actually, we could, we, could, we could close here because when we, uh, when we fail... When we fall, uh, we still have an ability to be made new. Uh, when, when, when you're unable to really grab onto it and you feel like, man, I just can't do this anymore, uh, there is still an ability for you to be made new. In uh, Lamentations, uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 22, it says this, uh, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. Uh, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that's a, been made into a beautiful song, right? My encouragement to you this morning is that his mercies are new every morning. Uh, if, if you fail today in something that you're trying to be more Christ-like in, uh, tomorrow God will still have mercy you. Now, this is not something that, like in Romans 6, says, oh, well, then let, let grace abound and let's just continue on to sin. Then, No, this, this is the motivation for us to say, man, I also want to show that mercy to those around me. I want to I let myself receive that mercy that God wants me to feel, a freeness in life and a joy in life. And, and let me go ahead and decide to try again uh, in the morning. You know, in closing here, Jesus brought something entirely new, entirely fresh, and transformational, uh, transformational to the world. Uh, the Jews that would become Christians had to give up everything that they thought they knew about Judaism uh, to become Christians. A lot of it totally need, they totally needed to change speeds uh, in order to, to really live out the new and improved call uh, that Christianity was going to be. Uh, to be Christians, we also have to be willing to give up everything about our old lives. Now, if, we're, if you're sitting here this morning and you know I'm not yet right with God, I would encourage you to really consider uh, these words and, and to, to really hold on to the fact and the truth that you can be made new. Regardless of wherever you are in your life, whatever situation you're in, whatever you've done in the past, you can be made new. And this is something that God wants for you. If you're a disciple already, but you feel like you've been stuck, uh, you feel like you've been uh, just in a rut, and, and, and you're trying to turn the corner, remember that you too can be made new. 
you can be made new. And, and like Paul's letter to the Corinthians, we who are disciples that have the Spirit in us, we are the letter of recommendation to the world about what Christianity is really all about. Your newness of life, man, when, when, uh, when you become a disciple, all of a sudden your old life shed away, everybody around you ought to say, what happened to that guy? This is not who I knew before. Our family should say, what, what, what is this new teaching that has power and authority that is different than the way things were? And then finally, if, if you're somebody who uh, you've decided to distance yourself from God, and whatever that might mean, you've decided to say, you know what, this was working for a while, but I like the old wine. You know, I, I want to drink from the well of the old wine. I would encourage you to really think about the fact that you really can be made new again. Uh, you can be made new and restored to God. You, you can have a restored relationship with God because he can make you new even if you've uh, decided to spend time away from him. Uh, he can make you new even then. Guys, uh, it, it is easier to patch a coat than to completely make a new one. Uh, it's easier to fill an old wineskin than to take the sinews and, uh, you know, weave yourself a new one and make a new batch of wine. It is easier just to dump it into the old container. However, uh, it will only lead to uh, destruction, uh, maybe even in an explosive manner. So I would encourage you, if you haven't been made new, let God make you new this morning. And remember that his mercies are new every morning, and you can continue to be made new as long as you don't give up. Amen.